I just remember thinking I was scared. Like I spent two days to write this, but I, when it came time to hit that green publish button, I just couldn't do it. It just was really, I was really fearful. Like what, what would this mean for me or the current job that I was in? What would people think about me? Was this around my brand? I didn't know that this was going to be uh, something I was going to speak out about it, but I just remember thinking, if not me, then who, and if not now, then when it was just the perfect timing and the perfect storm for this to, to happen. The voice you just heard is that of Sophia Eng, founder of Women in Growth, a support group for female executives. The article she was talking about is a manifesto she wrote in August 2017 in response to an internal memo that a Google engineer had written to discredit the ability of women to be in STEM careers. Quoting outdated facts, the internal memo was leaked to the public, and as soon as Sophia read it, she decided to write a response. It would become the manifesto, where she urges women and other minorities to speak up and tell their stories so the facts can be straightened. We will link the article in the show notes. You're listening to the SaaS Revolution Show, brought to you by SaaS Talk. I'm Irina Jambazova, stepping in for Alex Thuma this week. On this episode, I talk with Sofia about this experience and what has happened since. We speak in detail about the continued importance that people of diverse backgrounds tell their story, how vital it is not to give up on the diversity and inclusion efforts at this point, as we're only at the tip of the spear, and one characteristic that women and other minorities possess that is absolutely essential for innovation. A child of Vietnamese immigrants, Sophia experienced a tremendous amount of pressure to succeed from a young age. She developed a strong sense of dedication, resilience, and grit. Her upbringing helped to foster her growth-hacking mindset from a very, very young age, which she has applied at every job since. She worked harder than any of her peers. But the negative part of growing up like this was that Sophia didn't know how to speak up for herself. Consequently, she's learned to do that very well, as you will hear on the podcast. Sophia is one of many excellent speakers we will host at Sastock West Coast in San Francisco this September, alongside Sonia Gittens Otley, Head of Diversity and Inclusion at Asana, Liwa Srinivasan, CMO of SurveyMonkey, Dan Adika, CEO and co-founder of WalkMe, and many others. Grab a ticket now at the best possible price at sastock.com forward slash west coast forward slash register. Now on with the show. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution show, Sophia Eng. Uh, how are you today after a bit of a hectic morning, I hear? <laughs> Just regular traffic in the Bay Area. Thank you so much, Irina, for, uh, for being patient and having me on the show. It's an honor to be here. Absolutely. That we're, we're going to talk a lot about my favorite topics of diversity and inclusion. So absolutely worth the wait. But, um, before we kick in, uh, with that for our listeners who may not be familiar with you and your work, tell us a little bit more. Who is Sophia Eng? Yeah. So I am the VP of marketing at Trade the Fifth, 
a trading um, platform company. And I'm also the founder of Women in Growth, a community of women uh, professionals, tech professionals. And I also run a consultancy called Real Marketing, uh, where I am coaching and consulting a lot of companies and individuals on digital marketing, growth marketing in general. So keeping yourself busy, that's, that's for sure. <laughs> um, going where I'm needed. And so it's, it's been a lot of fun and, um, I'm the happiest that I've been in quite some time, even though I've, you know, um, been doing, doing a couple of other things, but, uh, very focused on the things that, that I'm really passionate about. Perfect. You are, you, you're definitely living up to the superwoman, uh, label that I think you put in. Actually, we're going to start with this. Um, there is a blog post that you wrote, um, at this point, nearly two years ago, which was in response to another blog post, which a Google engineer famously wrote about, you know, this whole diversity thing is nonsense and, you know, women engineers now doesn't work and all that. And you wrote a response, which basically was a manifesto of women and minorities. We need to start roaring. Um, tell us a little bit about that. So the Google engineer back in 2017, uh, at the time he had wrote, he had written something that was an internal document and, It was a Friday where it leaked out to the public. Someone internally had shared it out. Um, I found out about it on Friday evening and I was just really furious about it because he was talking about how women and minorities in general should not be um, in tech STEM careers because we're not biologically wired to do so. We should be in more supporting roles. I just, I, you know, I spent, I locked myself up in the, in the home and just wrote for, the weekend, uh, and published my first medium <laughs> blog post and, uh, went viral. Also, ironically was also leading a workshop at Google headquarters in, uh, San Francisco for women called I am remarkable. And it was to encourage women to speak up, uh, in order for us to get, you know, recognized for the work that we do and to get our promotions and ask for the raises that we deserve. And so it just couldn't come at a better time for me to respond. And I just remember thinking I was scared. Like I spent two days to write this, but I, when it came time to hit that green publish button, I just couldn't do it. It just was really, I was really fearful. Like what, what would this mean for me or the current job that I was in? What would people think about me? Was is this around my brand? I didn't know that this was going to be uh, something I was going to speak out about it, but I just remember thinking, if not me, then who And if not now, then when it was just the perfect timing and the perfect storm for this to, to happen. So, it, but you didn't expect in any way that it would get the sort of virality that it, that it, that it got, that it, they would hit in, you know, hit the spot with so many fellow women who are experiencing, unfortunately, very similar views and experiences. Right. I had no idea the, the level of impact that it was going to have. Um, and at the time I didn't have, you know, a newsletter sign up or any programs yet. So I, I just dropped everyone into a Facebook group because, uh, and I didn't have a proper website built out and honestly was in response to this because I felt that, um, I was sitting on this, all this data, um, talking about biology, the differences between men and women and the gender differences and how that affects like how we think and what we do in addition to, um, the decisions that we make online and offline. So I, I had all of this data and 
eventually I was going to do something with it, but it was a perfect timing. And, and unfortunately I didn't have anything set up, but at the same time, you know, Facebook's great. We had a, we have a group now and we have conversations of really incredible women in there who are tech executives who are feeling very lonely in their roles um, and not feeling the support and wanting accountability as well as women who have their own businesses and are, are experiencing the same uh, challenges. So it's been really great to have this group of women, not only for each other, but, you know, kind of selfishly for myself, because I am very alone in this journey. And you, you mentioned super women or super mom. Um, but I, it, it's, it's just, you know, following our heart and what we're called to do and saying no to the things that don't serve us and saying yes to the things that do. So, so that, you know, we can do more of what we're meant to. I think that that is a primary focus of me having this group so that we can have the conversations on uh, honestly optimizing. This is what we do, especially in, in growth marketing and running businesses. It's about optimizing and prioritizing the things that make us not just more productive, but make us more happy. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it was definitely women in growth was a, a good thing to come out of the, the silly internal memo that, that the engineer did. Can you tell us a little bit about the group? How big is it right now? Is it mainly online? Do you meet? How often do you meet? You know, what are the sort of the, the, the things that you chat about and the supports? Yeah, it's a great group. Uh, there are about, um, right now we're growing. We've got, um, organically 200 women that are part of the Facebook group. Now this is no paid advertising or anything. It's just women who have read the article all the way through 18 minutes read of it. scroll to the very bottom and click through. This wasn't a lead gen or anything, but it was just to have a very close knit group of women who are very like-minded. So we set it up like that. Um, in the group, we talk about all different types of things from what are your most comfortable pajama pants or uh, <laughs> to work from home um, things from mom working issues to work issues to this is what I'm struggling at work. Uh, and how do I get out of this to other promotions? Like, Hey, here's a project that I'm working on. I'm working on building a software to solve for this problem. Do you know anybody? And some, there's some job, you know, some people see it as a job board, like, Hey, I'm hiring for this position. If you know any other woman, uh, we're looking to fill this with this role. It's a lot of the conversations that is needed and, it's a safe place for us women who are in these higher roles to, to be able to share the vulnerability of, Hey, I'm the only woman in this company and I'm leading and I'm responsible for you know millions of dollars in budget, for example, and X amount of employees. And I'm struggling a little bit. Um, what do you recommend I do? So it's a, it's a safe place for women to come in to be vulnerable. Um, and in terms of, meeting together. We're actually hosting our very first in-person retreat. You know, we did a lot of polls and we talked to a lot of women in the group who are asked, we were asking them, what do, what do you want? How can we support you? Um, and a lot of like almost 90% of the women in the group wanted accountability. And a lot of us wanted to meet. Uh, and it's, it's just funny because even if you go to tech conferences, right? <laughs> if you look at the, uh, what is it? The, uh, the bathroom lines, the men's lines are long and the women's lines are there, there's none. And it's because the very not, there's just not a lot of women at tech conferences. So we wanted to create something where, I mean, it's not an official tech conference, but it's a, it's a place for women to come. And, uh, a lot of the women want a place to be able to talk about growth, but also grow together 
And so we've got yoga retreat. We've got a yoga, we've got a hiking, um, scheduled for our Denver. Is it, the retreat will be in Denver. Um, and then from here on, it will be kicking off our, our monthly, you know, masterminds that we're going to be hosting. That's amazing. And I'm sure the first one will be, will be a very special occasion. The, the family comes together kind of thing. Yes. <laughs> but, um, but at the, at the same time, like what you're saying is, you know, it is, and it is a thing that, you know, we as a tech conference organizer grapple with, you know, the gender distribution or just general diversity distribution is far less than we would like it to be. And then we try to figure out how to bring that. And it's certainly not just, Oh, here's a bunch of free tickets, you know, come join us because this is a bit like hiring, um, you know, with diverse ticking boxes, but then are the people included? And I think the inclusion part of diversity and inclusion expression is to me is far more important. But one thing that is going back to that post, you know, essentially it is a manifesto for people, for women and for minorities to really be, to be speaking up. You know, obviously this was two years ago, you know, what are, what have you learned since when it comes to advice on how to speak up? Like, what have you learned yourself about speaking up and are we speaking up more nowadays in 2019? I think so. Um, and, and maybe it's because being a part of the, you know, leader of women in growth and really elevating other women up, I'm seeing that there's a lot of women, you know, locally in the Bay area and all over the country, all over the world that we're slowly coming out of our shell or whatever it is that was holding us back before. Um, before this, I, I didn't realize that this was going to be the thing that I wanted to fight for. But as I, I personally have two girls, two young girls, and in my manifesto, I talked about how <laughs> I said, hear us roar. This is a, a counter manifesto for for what um, the Google engineer had written, but we need to speak up and it isn't an issue about biological differences as much as it is about social conditioning and the way that girls are raised, the way that um, girls are taught not to go into certain um, stores or play with certain toys, uh, but rather getting them to be you know, including them into these things. So, and we see it across the board too, with like here in the United States, we have Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts. And just this last year, Boy Scouts is now allowing girls to take part in, in that, you know, and, and that includes camping, you know, learning, getting badges for camping, you know, like right now we have our, our daughter, our, our oldest, she's in a camp for um, survival training in the woods. And we do that because it's not typically something that women or girls were, were taught or, you know, raised up to think that this is something that, um, girls do, you know, it's, it's typically, you know, back in the day it was dolls, which I personally didn't like, <laughs> but it makes sense now <laughs> the direction that I've gone, but I was never, you know, I was more of the tomboy and um, there are, there are things that, you know, gender is, it's good to be respected, right? There's this, but at the same time, um, girls need to have the exposure into, into, into not even careers, but into things that, and learning new skills that shouldn't just be gender specific. Um, and so it starts from a young age and, and I'm seeing it now as I'm mothering the two girls and, and raising them to be able to share and speak up. Like that's just something we, we do at home, you know, to really hear their opinion when we're going to make a family decision. It's not just between 
you know, me and my partner, but me and um, raising the girls and, and asking them what their opinions are. You know, it's our stories. And, and this is when I talk about to the women, right? It's our stories. We all have different stories. I'm leading a, a story selling uh, summits workshop to essentially get women to understand what the stories are. And that when you understand your story, you're able to speak up more confidently because your voice, I believe, is really important to share uh, in, in order for us to change the world together. So, so in in essence, speaking up starts with really knowing what you want to say, what you're speaking up about or of, and that's essentially your story. Exactly. Like this, and I'm sharing my story now. I didn't know that this was my story, but this is, you know, when you can speak confidently about it, it's because you know, this is what your story is. You're confident about that. Many women are listening and every, every woman has their, everybody has their unique story. Um, and it's important to get that straight so that we can speak up more confidently, but we need to speak up. And then when it comes to like, there is obviously, you know, not a day goes by where a big publication doesn't have some sort story about diversity and inclusion. This is what's happening. This is what you should do. This is why it's not happening. You know, I get the Google alerts every day and <laughs> you're often left with the impression of things are not moving as fast as we want them to move. It's a bit of a lackluster adoption at this point. And again, I suppose again, that goes not so much for the diversity part of that, but the inclusion part of like, how do people feel? I, I was reading something today, the um, Deloitte's 2019 state of diversity and inclusion. Hmm. And it was basically saying 83 people, 83% of people believe that their company cares about diversity and inclusion. But of those 63% have experienced bias in the last month. What are your thoughts on what are we doing wrong? Are we, or may, are we not doing anything wrong? It's just a matter of time. What, what can we all do to kind of have more results than what we're currently seeing? Well, I think that diversity and inclusion is in general, just a hard and uncomfortable topic as, as roles are shifting in the, the workplace, the, the home, you know, roles are changing at home as well. Like men are supporting more of the kids. And I think, I think that's necessary in order for, for us women to, to be out there as well. Right. Like it's just, there's a, there's a change that's happening, um, at homes and in the workplace that that's happening congruently. Um, and because of that, it takes time and it's not an easy conversation because we're talking about shifting, not just thoughts, but yeah, these biases that have been in place for decades and generations you know, I think that it's, it's going to take time, but again, with the rise of, of the awareness of it, women speaking up and the support of one another to create a movement around it. This is where I think that, you know, we're at the tip of the spear. Even when I was talking to you about the SAS talk speakers page, for example, right? Like it's happening. I think there were 11 Caucasian men and then and then me, which is the minority of the minority, right? I think it's, it's bringing that into awareness and to the companies, which may not have been aware before because that has just always been status quo and it's no fault to the company or the individuals at all in charge, but it's just because of that's the way that business has always been conducted and run before. So it's the norm. And so what we're doing, um, as women and, and as, you know, with allies is just changing the conversation and that takes time. But I think that we're heading in the right direction. And so I'm hopeful for a better future where our girls 
when they come of age and they're, they're having these opportunities in the workplace or creating businesses that it won't be a foreign concept for them to be at the boardroom meeting table. That's great that you, you, you bring this up because I actually, my next question was going to be around that importance of really having women and minorities on leadership and around the board, boardroom table. You're quite vocal about this. Can you tell us a little bit more your, your thoughts on the subject? I think it's, it's about always trying to find a balance between the, the leaderships, right? Like the, the women and the men and the, the differences between women is that we have just innately built in us the capabilities for more empathy, uh, empathy, which is such a, a skill, um, and a gift that is really unique for, for us as we're, especially, you know, as, I guess we're just more nurturing type which is really great when we're thinking about customer research and developing products for our customers and really understanding what their pain points are. When I, when I create products and, and marketing campaigns, I approach it from that perspective of, you know, what are the, what are the pain points that this person is feeling and how can I create not just an incredible product to solve for this, but the right messaging to ensure that you know, I'm solving this problem for them once and for all. That's something that it has to have, we have to have a conversation around that. Like a lot of us, a lot of women are able to ask the right questions in our user research um, to find out what that is, to build that conversation needs to be part of the product development stage uh, for businesses. It's not just creating better products, but creating better businesses as well. Workplace environments, right? Where we are making sure that our employees or our colleagues um, are taken care of, that are listened to. So it's just um, that empathy is really important, not just for the, you know, it, it's important for the business all around from our customers to our colleagues. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree with you. And, and, and one of my worries is that, you know, when we are so obsessed with growth and all the decisions are based, made, you know, are made based on growth, sometimes people are put not as high up as profit is. And I think almost women sometimes can be, without obviously generalizing, can be kind of like a sounding board of like, wait a second, does that decision even make sense? Does it make sense that we go for such aggressive targets? And I think it's, if the, the founding team is made up of three very similar people, gender-wise, ethnicity-wise, what have you, they may very easily agree on very aggressive targets and, and lack the empathy and emotional intelligence to figure out, wait a second, someone's gonna ultimately going to pay the price for this, and it will be people. And in talking to so many women who are in these roles, burnout is such a prevalent problem, not just for themselves, but, you know, product and teams as well and companies, which is not great. Like at the end of the day, we want to build better products, sustainable products, and we want to be doing it with, you know, a great work environment. You know, it's important to have a balance between, you know, if we're just talking about one, even, even one gender in specific, if it is just women and we talk about the flip side, if it is just women in general and it's a hundred percent, then, you know, we're, we're going to be having a different conversation about the challenges around that. And so I'm not saying that one gender is better than the other. That's far from what I'm saying, but there needs to be a balance. Um, and I think that's just the way that we're created, right. To, to have a balance here between the differences and to have different perspectives. But I believe that if companies want true innovation, we're not just driving towards 
one very aggressive goal and, and, um, that may not be the best for the people. I think women need to be a part of that conversation. Again, like we've kind of touched upon this earlier in the conversation, but I, I always keep coming back to this thing of like, you know, to me, diversity is easier to achieve than inclusion is um, just because, you know, diversity is like, it's a more tangible thing. Okay. You know, we'll hire this amount of people that have diverse backgrounds, but, you know, making sure that they're included is a whole other ball game. What are your thoughts on, you know, what employers and founders can do to make their organization more inclusive? You know, what, what are the things that actually work? That's a really, really good question and a really hard question, I think. I agree. I think diversity is a problem that's a little bit easier to solve. We have stats around that. We can say, okay, we've hired X amount of this and that and the other in the last year, so we're improving diversity. But inclusion is a whole different ballgame, I think, where that happens behind the scenes. There's not specific numbers that we can equate to the level of effort. Uh, and that's, that's a, that's a really difficult question to be able to say, you know, all right, now we have all these people in here. Now that's the second, that's phase two is how do we include them into the conversation, into the, the meetings, into the work environment, um, where they feel that you know, they can be a part of an important decision or in part of a, a, such a diverse team. And these are challenges that I still am currently trying to figure out for myself. So I don't know if I have a, the right answer, but I think that progress has to be, you know, as long as we're showing progress and, you know, having programs to, to bring awareness to the issue you know, I think that there's some force upon things that are happening physically within the workplace where we, we have to feel included, but it's just the, the emotional, like, how do we, how do we support one another, uh, in a work environment so that everybody feels included and important. That's an ongoing exercise for businesses and companies and teams to, to figure out. And, uh, we're still trying to figure that out as well. I think that, you know, we kind of, it goes back to what you said at the beginning, that the importance of storytelling and the importance of telling our stories vulnerably. And sometimes if we assume good intentions, you know, the, you know, founder X isn't a bad person, isn't being discriminatory on purpose. Maybe, you know, he just doesn't get that. I'm, you know, my voice may not be as heard and maybe I need to speak up about it. So I think, I think the speaking up is, which is, which is hard, right? Because this is on us again, our problem needs to be solved and we're the ones solving it. So it's a bit of a, it's a big ask, but maybe, maybe that's what it is. Just telling more stories vulnerably and creating the space for, for others to be able to vulnerably say, do you know what? I feel like shit because of this, this and that. Can you do something about it? But Absolutely. It, it starts with it starts with acknowledging um, how we feel, and it's not a, it's not a it's not an easy it's not an easy conversation for sure. And um, just to wrap up, um, you'll be speaking at Sastock West Coast, taking place in September in San Francisco. My feeling is that you'll probably be touching on a lot of these subjects. Um, anything else that um, people who will be there can expect to hear from you? <laughs> yes, I can. I'll definitely be talking about diversity and inclusion. I think it's just a topic that naturally comes um, when I get on stage. But at, at the same time, um, my expertise and experience has been around growing businesses and growing women. 
um, businesses as well. So uh, definitely that's also something that I can't not talk about. So I'll be sharing tips and tricks as I've grown companies very quickly here, um, startups in the Bay Area and uh, around the U.S. So um, watch out for that. We always ask the, the the very same question at the end, and I feel like we I particularly want to hear your answer to that um, because you, you certainly don't have it easy, and you know you don't you don't choose to have it easy. So how do you stay healthy and sane in all that crazy journey? <laughs> That's a really good question. Uh, this, these are tough, tough topics today. Um, I think that being a mom of two keeps me on my feet. And it, at the same time, it also makes it really hard to, to have time for myself because I've just noticed that when I've become a mom, um, I've given up things, for example, gym memberships so that they can take karate lessons because it doesn't make sense why I would pay $250 for myself. <laughs> and so those are the fine balances where I, I go, okay, well, if I'm going to do that, then I still need to do something for myself. So whether that's like taking a walk around the block, but I, I find that, um, I have to do things and I, I did a beta course on this. Uh, I taught a beta course for the women in growth, but it's around optimizing for happiness. And there are four things that we need to get right. Uh, we need to optimize for happiness for our health, our uh, relationships, our um, home environment, and our businesses. And all of those four need to be in balance because if one are, one is off or two are off, then uh, we're not able to operate at a very optimal rate. And so meditation helps a lot. Um, and there's a lot of studies around gratitude and meditation and doing that every day and how that leads to happiness um, or a happier life and uh, yoga. So I just, I turn on the YouTube yoga channel uh, at home because uh, I, I will not do the gym membership. Those are, <laughs> but I, it's just hard for me to get out of the house to get an hour for myself. There's, I need to get through that mind block, but in the meantime, in order for, for myself to be happy, it is yoga at the moment and uh, meditation. Sounds good. I can, I can definitely relate to both. I, I try to incorporate them in my morning routine, even though I don't have two kids. So you, you <laughs> should wonder why am I trying? I should be easy peasy, but um, no, I completely agree <laughs> with you. And I think mental health is so important and oftentimes forgotten that probably of, of all the times that we've asked that question, we, we've certainly 30% of the cases, it's been some form of yoga, meditation, some sort of, you know, kind of even not so even sport activity as much as like really, really, you know, reflective and kind of working on the uh, mind and body um, aspect of things. Well, yeah. Fia Eng, thank you so much for being a guest on the show today and telling us, um, you know, answering some tough questions on important subjects and um, I look forward to seeing you in San Francisco in September. Thank you so much, Irina. It's been great. I look forward to seeing you in September and being on stage at SAS Talk. Thanks, Sophia. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the SAS Revolution show and you've picked up valuable lessons from Sophia Eng. As a reminder, you can see her and many other excellent speakers at SAS Talk West Coast the most actionable conference for growth stage SaaS founders and executives, taking place in San Francisco on September 10th and 11th. Thanks for listening.
See you next time.